Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Top Row Podcast. I'm your main man. I'm by myself today. The head honcho, the boss man, the boss himself, Shizlansky, as the crew is either around doing something else or they just completely overslept and that it will count as an unexcused absence. But nonetheless, that's for behind the scenes wise. So welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, we're being sponsored by Anchor. From um for helping us make our podcast happen and give us the platform to make our podcast happen. Um follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, off the top row podcast. And you can find our episodes here on the anchor podcast page. And you can also find us on Google Play. I mean on Google Podcast, Real Puppet Podcast, Breaker Podcast, Spotify, and of course SoundCloud. As we're still uploading the remaining other episodes on the SoundCloud. So please give us a little time to, you know, make everything the way that we want it to be. Um, so, yeah. And our season finale, which will now be changed to be determined. Because we're getting slowly closer to that 100th episode. And we might not even make it to July 25th, folks. So we might have to pull a bait and switch. Or we're going to stick to the game plan. Um, for the, for the season finale, but we'll figure that out before the day is done. And we'll probably make an announcement about it tomorrow or Monday. Uh, nonetheless, for me, I'm going to just jump right into it for Friday Night Smackdown. Last night at the Performance Center, again and again and again. As long as this Corona, as long as this COVID-19 situation has happened, we're going to keep getting this type of content, folks. So, for the views at home, expect very, very low viewerships ratings when it comes to these wrestling shows and as we've been talking about for the last few weeks um this is the collision of what happens where no audience kicking the play and not enough content is on television and a lot of people are finding new things to do to procrastinate their time so we're going to just jump right into it we go from the opening segment aj styles talks up matt riddle in the ic championship match that's happening later on this evening and um, with him and his bare feet can't beat me, I'm, I'm still the face that runs the place. As he, you know, gave his own monarch from back when he first signed with WWE. And now they're taking it to full fruition when it comes to that. So I'm actually happy for that. Um, so, yeah, I can't be happy enough for, for him. I, I can't be happy enough for Matt Riddle getting this getting this glorious opportunity to face um such a phenomenal athlete for the Intercontinental Championship, the workers championship when it comes to the WWE. Um yeah. Then we get Matt Riddle, he talks of the IC title match and his last match wasn't a fluke when he beat AJ Styles and he vows that he will win and become a new Intercontinental Championship. Um, and then we get some of the SmackDown superstars taking their picks with Daniel Bryan, from Daniel Bryan to Alexa Bliss, and um, Mr. Morrison gives their little play 
you know, their little picks for that match before they curve and throw in their own storyline towards um Braun Strowman, in which we found out that Mid- that Morrison has a match against the Universal Champion later. Braun Strowman is happy that he's that he's gonna rip Morrison to shreds, and he hopes that Bray Wyatt is watching him as he goes and do this. Then we get Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura talking about the tag team championship matches for set for Extreme Rules on Sunday tomorrow, and the New Day shut down speculation and spoilers that they would still be walking out as the tag team champions. They're the best tag team champions that SmackDown has ever had. As Big E introduces himself before his match. So we get the first match, folks, which is um, Big E representing the New Day with Kofi Kingston versus Cesaro with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, this match was iffy. This match was decent. It was solid. It was just a good match. It was just, it, it was the open match. The open match is not really supposed to be. The old, the show stealer. That's more like the mid card to late mid card is going to be the show stealer matches, though. So when it came to this, and I kind of heard a little rumor that this match was kind of like going to be like the show stealer, it, it like some heavy hitters was um, was going to be involved. I didn't really think so, only because we've seen how Cesaro worked, we've seen how Big E worked. It's just we haven't seen this type of formation of opponent since NXT when it was both in NXT. So, um, I mean, I dig the match. It was, I mean, it was a solid match. With seven to eight minutes, the winners of the match were Cesaro, which he hits the neutralizer on Biggie. He he actually lifted him up and slammed him to the ground. One, two, three. He gets the win clean. And just when we was about to hear the stipulation, oh, and that's what I meant to say earlier. Um, so whoever the winner of this match was, we're going to pick the stipulation for the tag team championship match. At Extreme Rules on Sunday. And so, as the heels, Cesaro and Shisuke Nakamura was about to grab tables. Um, you see Kofi Kingston swan Tommy over the top row onto them. Kofi then sets up the table. Big E lays Cesaro on that table. Kofi is trying to climb up to the top row over Big E to do some big-ass splash. Then we see Shisuke Nakamura grabbing his guy out the way. And they're making the dramatic escape. And that's how we're going to end that match. Um, I said this before, and I'm going to say this again. Cesaro is very underrated. Yes. And I've been seeing underrated. He should have been pushed. They should have been put the belt on him. Either World Heavyweight Championship. Either world, a World Heavyweight Championship. An Intercontinental Belt. Even the U.S. Belt. I mean, I remember back then, 2014, when he was holding the U.S. belt, he made that shit legitimate, almost. You know what I'm saying? Even though he wasn't a United Citizen, but still, that actually looked very great on him. Now, for Shinsuke, his momentum started to die real low. Because you see the booking that WWE is doing with him compared to what New Japan Pro Wrestling was doing with him. New Japan Pro Wrestling, he was the man. He was the guy that people wanted to work with. People wanted to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling just to face him to get that strong style, kick style match. We get a fraction of that shit here. And only because we see it because, you know, different companies, they have different formulas and standards when it comes to in-ring performances. So I feel like 
Shinsuke, he's not going to want to leave WWE because he's making good money and he loves the sun. He loves Florida. But I think he, he really wants to go back into really being happy. What I mean really being happy me going back, doing what you love, getting paid, and be like, you know what? This is the best life that I have. This ain't just a job that I'm just coming and clocking 9 to 5 and then go the fuck home. And I give a shit about the place. I feel like he should definitely go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling or he should go to Stardom. He should go to uh, the Rising Sun promotion. He can go anywhere back into the Eastern, the Eastern Hemisphere, go into their company and make it hot and make himself legitimate and build his momentum again. Um, as for New Day, New Day, just stay the same. Don't change. Don't break up the motherfucking group. Please don't break up the motherfucking group. That's all I'm asking for WWE. Do not bring up this motherfucking group. Especially with Xavier Woods come back. If he does come back, um, they need to figure out what to do really about his role because he's been out of action for literally almost a year. Um, so they need to figure out what to do about that, what could happen when it comes to him. Um, I don't know if he can really play a great heel. But whatever happened to that SmackDown hacker storyline between either it was going to be Xavier Woods, Mustafa Ali, or Chad Gable, they, I don't know if they even pulled the plug on that. So with that storyline, I really don't know what the hell is going on. This is why I say WWE hires too much talent and do have nothing for them and they're draining mad money. And to keeping these people instead of letting them go where the fuck that they want to go. So I mean, I mean, I would love to keep digging more about this, but at the end, but I me, mean, but at the end of the day, I feel like half that locker room right now is being underutilized, misutilized, or simply just doesn't have the passion for it anymore because WWE sucks away the passion out of people. Hence what John Moxley has said. That's why he was so happy. Where his contract was expired and he left and he did that video promo of him about to become the AEW's um double or nothing pay-per-view and he stood by his word and he did it. That's the type of happens that the people need to experience. The same experiences as Rusev is getting, as EC3 is getting. With EC3, he might actually show up at Slim, uh, and, um, and pass his um, Slim anniversary tonight's pay-per-view. So I might actually watch it. So if anything, I might actually watch it and probably do it and probably do an after dark episode. But that's neither here or there. Um, so I'm content with the match. I'm not content with the booking at all. WWE, you need to either bring in some real legendary people back. Fire half those writers and be like the heels and baby faces. You guys are with me. This um this legend and this writing crew and boom, and we're gonna work on this thing together because this is not working at all. I hate these scripted promos and shit. Um, so we're gonna move forward from there. Custom backstage. We get Caleb Braxton interviews King Corbin. As he still has issues with Matt Riddle. And after Age of Styles beats Matt Riddle, the world would know that he's just a little boy. I give him a C plus. I get that C plus. I still hate. I still hate um, Corbin's guts because of how WWE had booked them. How can you be? How can you win King of the Ring and you still haven't gotten a title shot yet? 
I remember back in the day, me being as a kid, the King of the Ring was the shit. Everyone, everyone that they felt that the company was going to be pushing later or they was working their asses off, getting over with the crowd, they was going to put them in that tournament, they was going to work hard in that tournament. And when they win that tournament, they usually get a major push to be this unstoppable duo or will win um, the Intercontinental Belt on the way to being from um, the marquee to being the top star of that company or of that brand. We have not seen jack shit from King Corbin ever since I think it was him and Lacey Evans versus Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch for a winner-takes-all mixed tag team match. That's the only thing that I've seen that I remember vaguely. That's the last time I think he ever had a title shot. So either the company doesn't think he is the top heel, or he thinks he's the top heel, or he's not working hard enough, or he doesn't... I mean, Vince says that he has the look. So why have you that you put the belt on him? Why why you only put a crown on him instead and not utilizing the king of the ring of that year right? Vince, you know what the fuck that you're doing. You're fucking with people's emotions. You're fucking with people's um, professional lives. That's the bad part. So, C-plus for that. Of course, because of the PG era, we ain't going to see half the curse words or swear words that we're so used to. So, I would say a little boy. You already know what we would have said, folks. This way he, so that's what he, he's going to be looking like a little bitch. Bottom line. So, I just felt, I feel the blanks for that. Goes into commercial break. Come back from that commercial break, we get um, Cesaro and Shinsuke talking backstage after their match in their hatred for a new day towards them. And talk stipulations, they they brought up the steel cage, but it's so merciful. But lately, they've been feeling that rush when they've been crashing through tables. And then when they crashing through tables, they got that itch. That big, big itch. So you know what? So they talk the stipulation for the stream rules match. Will be your tables match. Now, before I move on to the next segment, I got one tirade to go after. This segment should never even fucking happen because in the first match, at the very end, Michael Cole, the announcer, had announced that that it's been confirmed that the tag team, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, will be on the line at Extreme Rules in a tables match. And then a few minutes later, we get this segment. A Cesaro and Shinsuke telling their name the stipulation being a tables match. So WWE, why the fuck do you do this? Either you got edit out Michael Cole's wording and be like, we just got word that Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, they'll be backstage and they'll announce the stipulation when, uh, when it gets quiet. Or you have to rip up this stupid ass segment with Cesaro and Shinsuke and pretend like that never even happened. And you're going to put someone else in that TV time right there that could have been better useful for that last 45 seconds to get another match over or to get themselves over. Especially if you already have Michael Cole doing it for you at the end of that match, which is fucking stupid. So for this whole damn segment, two shits in the toy seat flush, it was just stupid. Shout out to Deuce, by the way. Coming, coming back to the arena, we get the moment of bliss. We get Alexa Bliss. Reminds us that this is the anniversary of the women's revolution coming to WWE. Five years. This was a five-year anniversary, folks. So Sasha Banks, Bailey, 
um, Becky Lynch, Charlotte has been whooping asses and taking these for the last five years. Five years, folks. Five years. Feeling Alexa feeling futuristic. She predicts that the Lakers will win the NBA championship this year in this whole in this whole Orlando bubble. We'll see what happens there. I can't really depict that, but I think when it comes to society wise, maybe that they should win. But you know me, I'm a Celtics guy, so you know I need my Kimber Walker, I need my Jason Taylor, I need my Jalen Brown, I need my Ennis Cantor. All be ready because we need to bring home another championship to the city. Or we, or like I said to you before, and I say again, we're only missing one piece to get over that hump. To we we just need a star center, and you put Cantor at the four, and I'm fine with that shit. Or you're gonna put Hayward. Back at the three, put um thing at four. But what's going to happen with Jalen Brown? What's going to happen with Jason Tatum? So they got a little bit more rotation work to really do. But that's neither here or there. Then she predicts that Matt Riddle will win the IC title later on tonight. She predicts that her good friend and best friend Braun Strowman will whip the shit out of Braun out of Bray, Bray Wyatt in the Swamp Fight and Nikki Cross. Nikki just eventually just takes over. And takes over and just yells, hyping up on um, potentially her might winning, her might win against Bailey on Sunday for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And it's like it's not about you, but it's not about you, as Alyssa Blisser says. But I mean, it's not you. You're not the special guest. Then we hear some guy in the crowd yelling, out, "Are you nuts?" That actually made me laugh. <laughs> and then we get Bailey. Um, comes out. We thought that she was a special guest, but come to find out, come to find out that she wasn't. As we go find out later, she comes to win a best friend Sasha Banks. Then Bailey cuts a promo and talks down to Nikki being the failure and how she hypes up him, her, and uh, her and Sasha Banks being as the architects of the women's revolution. We were the first women's tag team championships of the women's revolution. You're welcome, folks. And y'all thought the cameraman the move. We all thought that she was yelling at Sasha. And I'm like, oh, that's gonna be good. But we didn't get that. Um, and then Bailey talks prediction how she will beat Nikki. She will be crying. Sasha will be beating Oscar, taking her raw women's championship belt, and become the longest reigning SmackDown women's champion in existence. And nobody can stop them. Only person that can stop their momentum right now is of course the boss man, Vincent Kenny McMahon Jr. But Alessa got another surprise for us. She suggested that it wasn't even them that they was having as a special guest. It was Oscar, the Raw Women's Champion. As she comes out to the ramp, stare down. Bailey and Sasha both attack Nikki and Alexa. Oscar runs in the Mesa save, saving the baby faces. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Then Alexa, Alexa demands. That she wants the referee to come out, and apparently we're gonna get a matchup next. Cause into that, we go into that commercial break. Um, I'll give this moment of bliss some sympathy. I'll give it a B minus. I want to give it a B minus because of Oscar coming out. Sasha and Bailey both look good. Nikki is just the crazy Tasman that I'm actually solely falling for. But it's Alexa Bliss. It's just like she's like. In the midst of the air. It's like, what the hell are they doing with her? As long as Moment of Bliss is still there. As long as the Moment of Bliss is still there. Then. 
you know, that's the only reason to have Alyssa Bliss keep coming back and only have her for tag team matches because singles-wise, we haven't seen her do a singles match in probably like a month. But, um, you know, you know I mean? y'all know me. I love my Oscar. I love Sasha too. Bailey, we already can see the crack in between those two best friends. And we're going to see Bailey eventually being either pissed off at Sasha for her shortcomings and endeavors. And then smack, bang. And Sasha just might turn baby face or, or, you know, Sasha might just be fed up with it at her own point and coming out of nowhere and going after her own best friend. It smacks her around too. But let's hope and pray for that. So if you want me to get my prediction for this, okay, here's my prediction for this. By SummerSlam of this year, we're going to see the new change of the guard happen. Boom. And it's going to be just like that, I swear to you. Come back for that commercial break. We get Daniel Bryan through Zoom giving his opinion of AJ Styles eventually becoming a fighting champion and how Matt Riddle is getting some special coaching with Drew Gulak in the back getting prepared for his match. Goes into the second match of the card, which was Oscar and Nikki Cross in the tag team match versus Sasha Banks and Bayley. This match, the, the women's tag team champions. Within 12 minutes of this cat fight, Sasha Banks and Bayley escape with the victory. Bayley uses some underbridge pin against Nikki Cross with the legs, with using the ropes as leverage and put in. And use the mid rope as leverage to get um to get the victory uh, to get the victory. This was the three point five stars, folks. Um, of course, anything Sasha Banks and Bailey really involved in matches wise, they're great in ring technicians. I love that. I love Oscar. Um, and I seen a little shade of a fancy booking here, folks. Now correct me. Now don't try to jump on my back about this. But what I'm thinking about when I'm watching this match, when Oscar and Nikki Cross was dancing onto me on top of the announcement table before the first commercial break, I said they might actually look like a pretty good team. They might actually look like a pretty good team. I, love, I mean, I mean, I'd rather see that team because if you really look at it, we're already looking at this the same way how we look at Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Why not try to do another experiment when it comes to those two? Nikki Cross is just a loud. Angrily passionate, passionate Scottish woman, and then we get Oscar, the crazy, um, the crazy foreign-speaking technician in the ring. You know what I'm saying? Imagine the both of them being a team in this woman tag team division, and now you're looking at the the environment in the playing field. What's really happening with Alexa Bliss? I don't know. They need to break those two up regardless. Alexa Bliss needs to go back and just being a heel. And doing it that way because her being at the baby face is getting her nowhere. And um, Kyrie Singh, as some reports has been confirming that she might be eventually be gone from WWE, going back to Japan to be with her husband and probably wrestle for stardom for probably a year or two and then call it quits. So with Oscar being by herself and just in case you want to spice up the women's tag team division, this is one way to do it. Do the same thing that you did for Shinsuke, for Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, and do the same thing for Oscar and Nikki Cross. When the time is right, I'm not saying right now, when the time is right, say like 
oh, if Ronnie knew Radiance and stuff like that, right? They trade they trade um Oscar over to SmackDown and bring Alessa Bliss over to Raw and God knows what. And then Nikki is left by herself. And then her and Oscar start being friends, shaking hands and stuff like that. Then then they start kicking it. You know what I'm saying? That that'd be great. Bring something new. Bring some new flavor to this. This was actually a new flavor. That I was like, mm, this was like a forbidden fruit. I taste that forbidden fruit. Now I want more of it. Plus, I think for the better booking choices, then it gives people to really look at the team to look at the team different. What does he hear right there? So three point five stars for this twelve minute match. Cuts the backstage. Miz is talking to his pal Morrison. That he may they talk about the Braun Strowman match coming up. He may be big and strong, but we're movie guys. And they comparing themselves to some scenario to the to their scenario in the wrestling world to the movie world. Um Morrison is still concerned about, you know, what lies ahead of him. Commercial break. Coming back from that commercial break, we get the Five Five Funhouse. Mm. The five last five five funhouse before extreme rules on Sunday was Bray White. And Braun Strowman will be going one-on-one in the Wyatt Swamp fight. Another cinematic match. Similar to the Boneyard match. Similar to um, the Money in the Bank match. Similar to the 5-5 five, five Funhouse match. I think there's only been three. I mean, no, excuse me, four. An NXT cinematic match of um, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano's one final match. How they turn that into a cinematic fight, nonetheless. Um, so we see Bray Wyatt, not the fiend, at the swamp. He cuts a promo on the swamp's habitat. Braun Strowman looking for a home, how he found it. But he, Bray Wyatt, created Braun Strowman. But then he left to go follow his own path. And all the horrors will feel right, will feel right at home. Once you're in it, it's hard to leave it. Wyatt looking for the beast to come home. He's not capable of himself. You know where to find me at. You can find me right here in the swamp. And he blows his old vintage light um, light lamp. That's how we end that segment. A minus. Now, for the people who are new to the show who or who has me listening to the show, y'all know how I feel about Bray Wyatt. Y'all know how I feel about the Fiend character himself. In the very beginning of the Fiend character, I hated it. But it was different from when it came to him when he was the Eater of Worlds. When he had Eric Rowan, when he had Luke Harper. I was actually a fan when he was the Eater, when, when, when he was the eater of the Worlds. And you know what was funny? I, I, I probably agree with him. He should have won against John Cena at that WrestleMania. But also, instead of Brock Lesnar winning it, instead of Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker to, um, to beat the streak, it should have been Bray Wyatt beating him to beat the streak. Because that would be really the passing of the darkness torch from one dark character to another. Now he is the incarnated version of the Undertaker. Now that there will never be another Undertaker, there will never be another Mark Calloway ever again. So get that, so get that out your head. There will never be another Undertaker. But at least... To pass down the torch to Bray to continue being the eater of worlds and going down to that dark, dark, twisted, evil, devilish place. I would love to see that instead. 
So I'm glad to see it being rebirthed here and WWE really giving it another shot. Thank fucking God. Because I think low-key, as time went on and as I started to get over Bray Wyatt being a fiend, there were certain booking decisions that they did that fucked it all up. Especially when it came to Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. It could have been The Fiend versus The Miz. Fiend would have drastically changed The Miz to either back to what the fuck that he was, when he was the real world Miz, or something like that, or add a little bit more layer to his flavor. But I just felt like they didn't capitalize when it came to The Fiend that well. They only capitalized on him because of the merchandise that they was creating. The whole Fiend face leather belt, uh, The Fiend mask, and selfish shit. WWE was just capitalizing on the marketing to make whatever money until that gimmick got old or it wasn't working anymore and then they stopped it. WWE, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. But then again, that's the course of the game. Any company right now, and here's another example, AEW with the uh, RS Cassie towels. We only saw that on one episode this previous week on AEW Dynamite. And then we see you go two days later on the AEW website, you see that they're selling the towels. They're taking it. They're full. They're, they're doing the same thing that WWE is doing. So let's hope and pray that they don't get tired of, of Orange Cassidy to the point where now they're going to just discontinue it. And then the next time when he gets popping again, a new merchandise comes out. Basically, basically exploiting. And half these people need to be getting their revenue sales. They need to be getting a huger percentage of their revenue sales. Not the company. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for this. I'm happy for Bray coming back to the Eater of the Worlds. If he's going to do it by himself, well, he's going to recruit new guys. Let's pick and choose them very, very wisely, folks. That's all I got to say. Because it's going to be hard to replace uh, Luke Harper, Eric Roman, and Braun Strowman when you had a pretty lookalike team that looked just alike and that could look like they could be a family. You know what I'm saying? So let's just hope and pray that if they are going to go back into the either world's gimmick into f- full fruition, they pick his they pick his minions right, or they pick his minions the similar way that they picked um, the first crop. You know what I'm saying? So at least that thing don't get died down mad fucking quick. And I just don't like that happening because we because I I actually respect Bray. Which I did not know that he was even the IRS's um son. If y'all remember the IRS back in the old school WWF? The IRS, the guy that used to came up with the glasses and slick back hair and looking like a tax attorney. That's that's Bray Wise's father. So little did I know that. And then, and then I find out about it, I'm like, whoa. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. But I'm happy. For it, I'm actually, I underlined this match. This was, for me, this was the match to watch. Because I want to see what happens. Then we get to the third match. John Morrison with Miz versus the Universal Champion Braun Strowman. Now, wait, I have to ask my blood off of this. Because I'm about to be speaking some shit when it comes to this. Okay. So, before the match even happens, Braun Strowman comes out. He cuts a promo on the runway before he comes out to the ring. And... He is going to walk through the gates of hell and slap the devil in his face. 
And he is going to try to destroy Wyatt in this swamp fight. He doesn't want Wyatt to turn into the fiend. And that's going to be the the one of the darkest days of WWE history. If he goes back to being the fiend, he's trying to keep away from him and such. And I got to end him before he ends me. With an angry and emotion, he gives us something like this. Yes. Now, we haven't seen that type of layer of emotion from Braun Strowman since I can even I can even tell you to, to, to be honest with you I can even tell you but this felt I felt the type of way what he said because it's like for people who who's run away from something who's run away from some deep dark secret or anything dark related um you know something that bad that happened to them in their um uh, in their past life or you know in the time in their life where it was like the darkest days and you're running away from it and that's why you go through so so much changes changing your demeanor changing of your personality and such this is one of those things that it connects to you especially as someone who has been through the darkest pit of pit of what's been happening to me to me at least um, you know, just to, just to go through that stuff, to have the, to have the runaway from your past, you know what I'm saying? And matter of fact, you want to know a better explanation for this? Watch the Lion King and why Simba ran away, even though Scar has specifically told him run away and never return, even though clearly we know Scar was the one who killed Mufasa. Damn it. You know what I'm saying? And then as... Simba grew up to being a young cub. He started trying to run away from his past. Like, I can't go back there. Maybe it was going to be, but it was a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? He could have been king, but he chooses not to go back and then try to do what was right. He's running, he's running from his problems. Similar thing to this. Braun Strowman had run away from Bray, turned face, went throughout... Or turn face, or went and went to another company, or, or went, to, uh, went to another brand, which was Raw, um, figuring out his own path from there. And then finally, he's on the top of the mountain now in 2020 as a Universal Champion. And now he has to go back to that dark place to conquer his fear once and for all, or otherwise, he will never get over Bray Wyatt. So that's the similarity when it comes to this. Back to the match, but back to the match at hand. This was a squash match. Now, this is when I wish Karu actually was here, because I would have been laughing dead at his motherfucking face today. Your man John Martin got squashed within two to three minutes. And gets hit with the running power bomb to end his night. Boom. He gets squashed. Um after the match is over, Bray Wyatt grabs the microphone again and said, I hope that you're watching that, Bray. I'm coming home. And then he chuckles and laughs and walks away. This is a perfect squash match. You manipulated someone's mental to really go to that dark place. He said, you know what? I got to end it before I end you. And he probably had to picture Bray Wyatt's face on John Morris's body and whoop the shit out of him within three minutes time. Morrison actually looked hurt at the very end. I, I mean, I hope that this was a work, or if he really did get injured, um, we'll find out more about that later, uh, a little while later, or unless they really do announce it. Um, 
Miz and the ENTs, they helped Morrison back. It looked like he had like a twisted ankle and hurt and he had like hurt his shoulder. But this was a perfect squash match, bro. I don't care. Listen, Dukes might have something to say about it. Fast might have fast might have something to say about it. But I'm saying like this. You really want to know what a squash match looked like? That was it. Go in there, rip your person to shreds. If he's that angry to the point of no fucking return, oh my god, I will tell you this right here, right now. He got exactly what the fuck was coming to him. Big time. And Morrison, out of all people, gets smacked. Now, I low-key kind of wish that it was the Miz that got smacked around like that, but I'll take Morrison instead. I mean, I respect me, but let's just don't I mean, let's don't get that shit twisted. I respect Morrison before respecting the Miz. Morrison just had that ability and ring ability. I'm sorry. Period. So I'd rather see Miz get smacked around for those two or three minutes getting squashed like that. that I'd be laughing my ass off. I would have been rolling. But that's neither here or there. So um five flames for this. I know some of the people are going to get mad about what I'm saying, but if you want to talk about a squash match and getting ready to go into a match where you're facing your old mentor in a swamp match and you're angry and you're trying to really stop this from growing and growing to where it's like a virus, then you need to really go into your deep, deep, deep thoughts in that dark place and be like, you know what? Every person that I see right now is Bray Wyatt's face, and I just want to rip his face off. That's what the fuck that we got going to that commercial break. Come back for that commercial break, which we, we got the fourth match. Um, Lacey Evans was trying to cut a promo before Naomi's music hits. So we got Naomi versus Lacey Evans in the fourth, in the fourth match. Lacey Evans wins with the women's right. Naomi gets distracted at first. And then, I mean, actually, she didn't get distracted. Lacey Evans tied her braids around, I mean, around the ring. As she, as Naomi is untying her long micro braids out and turns around, walks into the women's right. Boom! Smackdown. One, two, three. Lacey Evans gets the win within four minutes. I gave it one star only because this was better than the bullshit karaoke showdown that we had last week. <laughs> Please, WWE, never do that shit again, folks. Never. Whoever that was the one that, that created that karaoke showdown from last week should have been shot in the face. Like I said to you before. I'm not shooting them in the leg. I'm shooting them in the face. Kill them off. That's just, it's just that bad. So I'm giving it sympathy here. One star. Because finally, we see Naomi actually getting back into the ring and wrestle. We all miss those cheeks. <laughs> Cut the backstage again. Um, Caleb Braxton interviews Jeff Hardy on Sheamus' tactics for the last several weeks. So antagonize his drinking. Um, trying to go, trying to have him mess up his life, man. And according to Jeff Hardy, fighting Sheamus is like fighting a bully. And fighting a bully is like fighting addiction. As he continues speaking, he gets punched dead in the face by Sheamus, who pops up out of nowhere. And Sheamus apparently is saying to him, he's here to help and cleanse his demons. But we're going to find out about that next week. And as we hear 
there's really going to be a bar fight happening between Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. Now, I really don't want to keep talking about this, but this has been aggravating me a lot. Why the hell WWE is really exploring people's real lives to get storylines out of them and then putting them on TV? Y'all did the same thing to Roman Reigns when he came out and that he had that he had leukemia. And you caught us off guard with that because, yeah, it was the first wrestler that we knew that actually had leukemia and certain people got emotionally invested into the guy. I mean, I feel bad for him because he had leukemia. And then if you ever read um um the girl um the girl um the swan the swan and the paper um, the swan and the paper planes, yes. If you ever read that book, The Swan and the Paper Planes, as a kid, this reminded you of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's the only that's the only reason why I remember that leukemia so much was because of that one book. Um, but for WWE standpoint, and you guys are hiring writers to write these storylines, to write the scripts and promos of all these people. This is why the, the you know, like this is why that the content is slowly turning into garbage, it's slowly turning into heaping garbage for shit like this, and how you're abusing people's storylines to try to get readings out of them, and maybe certain people don't want to see shit like that. There's people in halfway houses that's fighting that's fighting addictions. We don't see Jeff Hardy going into a halfway house doing that type of shit. No. Come on now, like what the fuck? Like, yo, this is shit. Like, this is the way that I feel what Young Boy feels about mediocre booking. This is mediocre writing. This is <sighs> Jeff. I said this before. I said this so many episodes ago. And even on the 1130 podcast with my man um Dre on Will. Shouts to him, by the way. If y'all haven't looked out for his podcast, look out for his podcast, 1130 podcast. Um, on YouTube, Spotify, App, um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, and more. Um, I said this on his show. That I'm gonna say it again, Jeff. Please do not resign with them. Finish up the rest of your time. Don't get injured. And when that you just lose, walk out gracefully. Reunite with Matt in AEW, and become the narrow Hardy again. At least you have your brother with you to be, to always look after you. Because when you're doing it by yourself, I know sometimes it's hard when you're doing it by yourself. And same way how they want to talk about um, Jake the Snake Roberts and going back to his prior addictions. The same that we got to say the same thing for Jeff Hardy. And then let's Scott Hall, God forbid. And thank God that he's been clean ever since. Addiction is hard, folks. For real. From alcohol addiction to drug, I mean, to drug abuse. Um... Sex addiction, anything can be an addiction if it gets too much and it takes over your life. That's one of those things that I don't like about WWE that they're trying to take reality-based scenarios and put them into wrestling thinking that that's going to be the ticket to get the people to come back to watch wrestling. That's not it. People love dynamic characters like The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, The Undertaker, Mankind. And we you and get we had dynamic we had dynamic people, dynamic characters, storylines that infused with the background of that person in a way that is acceptable to the fans. It's not making it look like 
it, it, it don't mean to look like some fucking gimmicky nerd bullshit. And someone actually fucking wrote this thing? Come on. It's different now. It's different now than what it was back then, folks. So I know why a lot of people will even ask me to this very day, why you still watch wrestling? Like, it's so growth-inducing and shit like that. I'm like, I don't look at it from the storyline perspective like that anymore. That'd be the number that'd be the number three thing that I would look for. I would look for the action. That's number one. Wrestling is fighting. Same way how we will watch UFC. And boxing. Similar shit. And number two, the characters. Characters like, for instance, like I said to you before, my favorite wrestler is always and forever will be The Undertaker. Second will be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Third will have to be Sting. Four will have to be The Rock. Five will have to be um, Shawn Michaels, and so forth and so forth. Those dynamic characters that got me interested in wrestling is what kept me in tune with wrestling until the day that they retired. And then you see the new crop of talent. Now, who's going to be catching your eye then? That's what we seek for. Who's going to step up to be the next star? That's what we seek for. So that's just the answer to you guys' question about why do I still watch wrestling and why because it's still because it's, it, it has many people feel a bit growth inducing or it's the F word in which I will wring anyone's neck and everyone is say to me to my face that wrestling is the F word. I might know. Wrestling is predetermined, yes, because you actually did your fucking research. Go back to the 30s, go back to the 20s, the 1920s and the 1930s. How they was having four to five hour wrestling matches. And the people got tired, so they left. Of course, now they have to change the formula then in order for the people to know. I mean, the people that can actually sit throughout a whole wrestling event and not get tired. This is bullshit. In the kayfabe world, this is why I would assume no, wrestling is kayfabe. Kayfabe. K A Y F E B E. Kayfabe. That's it. Don't say the F word. Otherwise, I will take out my knife and I'll slice you in your fucking throat. Period. Moving on from that. Come back from that. Come back from, from that commercial way. We go backstage. Caleb Braxton then interviews Bailey and Sasha Banks on, on the potential of them being able to hold all the gold on Sunday at, at Extreme Rules. Um, that this isn't faith. Okay, this is destiny. To win all the belts. And to see Nikki Cross crying. And Oscar too. Spin into another direction. And backstage, Alessa tries to talk to Nikki. Nikki feels ashamed about her. How she was acting out there to cause the loss. And trying to grasp the fact that maybe that she might not. Maybe that she might not win against Bailey. Maybe she's actually doubting herself, folks. Until she hears their laughter. And you just see the red eyes pop out, uh, pop out of her head, and she charges at the Bailey like a rabid dog and beats her the fuck down. Sasha and Alexa have to come and break up the fight until we see Bailey upset over that. And I wish she would just throw out the bitch word, but they didn't. <laughs> so damn, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm kind of like, kind of shocked about when it came to that. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to like Nikki even more and more. Fuck that. Let her be that rampant and Scottish woman. Imagine her and Oscar working together as a tag team. Imagine 
her being side by side with Drew McIntyre. And she takes a real psychotic turn into really pushing that element out. They're pushing, they're giving that extra layer of ferocity and just straight up animosity towards the company and everything the fuck else that's been going on and how they've been really booked. And becoming a psychopath. I mean, I'm just going after the women's division just to claim what kick the shit out of everybody. So either my fancy booking would have to be either Nikki Cross and Oscar form a team. Or Nikki needs to go by goes all by herself. Pull a Brian Pillman. Become that crazy psycho motherfucker. And really go after people in the worst way possible. Yes, if you did that, I'd be sold on Nikki. Yes, that psycho range is what's going to be getting people to be like, oh, shit, I wonder what the hell she's going to do next. Or, my final option, pair her with Drew McIntyre. Not as from a dating thing or none of that, but more like a, a partnership, like a stable type of shit. Teach me how to be that psychotic, I mean, that psychotic Scottish woman. Teach me, let, help me dig to where I fucking want to go. That's all I gotta say about that. Come back from that. From, come back from that commercial break. We get the main event, the fifth and final match, which was which was for the Intercontinental Championship. Matt Riddle, the hot young, the hot young caller for NXT versus the phenomenal one AJ Styles, our defending champion. I thought I was gonna get twenty minutes. I got nine minutes out of this, folks. So, uh. AJ Styles eventually though retains his belt. So yeah, Dre on Wheels, my prediction came, my prediction came true. <laughs> so I told you, man, what you can see, and and if you know certain things, you know WWE is gonna be known for making big title changes when it comes to pay-per-views. They're not gonna do it at no free TV. Folks, y'all should know this shit already. That's like basically saying Mike Tyson is being fed. Smaller guys to rip through the heavyweight division, right? Until finally he meets Evander Holyfield, and now he got to fight for his life. This is what the fuck that we got. Um, so yeah, AJ Styles retains the belt by hitting by reversing um, a submission hold by Matt Riddle into a pin combination. One, two, three. He gets away clean in the ring. Um, within nine minutes. Um, after that match was over, though, there was about both competitors was about to shake hands before King Corbin coming out of nowhere, blindsides and attacks him. He hits the end of days on on Matt Riddle, boom, and makes his escape, leaving Matt Riddle being down in the ring. AJ was nowhere to be found because when the whole thing happened, Bray, um, King Corbin, when he started attacking. <sighs> AJ Styles kind of just walked away. I'm like, huh, this ain't my beef. I'm out of here. I'm like, this ain't my beef. I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? And moved on from there. Um, The match, I gave it 3.75 stars. Now, I would have given it a more bigger grade. Matter of fact, no, I'm going to change my grade for you. I'm going to give it 3.5. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go back to my 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 original grading, three point seventy five stars. Because they finally listened to us. 
These two workhorses should have been the main event. Should have been the main event for several weeks. We're going to in the middle of those cards for the last few SmackDowns. So now we're finally getting on some recognition when it comes to the main event. Thank you. Matt Riddle is grooming to be a star. Thank you. AJ is for always going to be the phenomenal one. Thank you. But the match was short-lived. Nine minutes. I thought I was going to get more than that. I thought I, thought I was going to get 15 minutes. Shit, that would have affected my grade more deeper. And shit, it probably would have, I probably gave it like a 4 or 25 stars. But it, but it didn't. Maybe because the time that they had left, and then everything that, everything that, that. Well, all right. If I, if me, I'm gonna do the fancy booking segment first, real quick. Eliminate that second. Eliminate that second segment with Cesaro and Shinsuke announcing the tables match. That could have been added time to the main event. Add up to two minutes, we would have got eleven minutes worth. Maybe we could have done that. So back to the match itself. Um, I like the match. I like the styles. Like I said, I'm still getting used to Matt Riles' UFC type of style because we only watched him in NXT to a certain extent, and then he gets called to the main roster. So now you guys see him where he's really with true professional wrestlers like AJ Styles, like uh, like Drew Gulak, like Daniel Bryan. Those matches that I want to see, well, I mean, we're going to see him later, but... You know, we still got to get used to his style. So a lot of people was going to have to invest in a little bit more time and just and just be patient when it comes to his style. The same way how we said it um, a while ago about this. This is the reason why you don't bring outside entities into the professional wrestling business. Because that's like converting. It's like converting an MP4 to an MP3. Or it's like converting a YouTube video to an MP3. It takes time, precision, and care to do all that. So, I want to be behind Matt Riddle on this one. And that's his first L on the main roster. Good. So, at least he got to accept defeat when he knows that he has to. And then, when, and then when, and whenever he knows that he's good and ready to progress forward, he would be unfucking stoppable. Um, but as for the King Corbin thing, as I said it before... And I say it again. He won the King of the Ring last year, 2019. Right? It's, it's almost been a full year since this old um, King, uh, King of the Ring tournament that happened. And yet, no title shot. But yet, you're, you have a rivalry with um, Matt Riddle at the very beginning? That's the one thing I kind of said in my head. I'm like, that's so fucking stupid. Vince either doesn't appreciate the, the King of the Ring factor anymore. Or he just used that at the last time to get someone over, but also intertwine it as a gimmick. Like we had King Booker, now we get King Corbin. There's a difference between that. So whenever it comes to that part, um, yeah. So when, so yeah. So whenever that comes to that part, um, King Booker was different. He won the King of the Ring, and then they pushed him to be the World Heavyweight Champion on SmackDown. Until we see his rivalries with um, with Bobby Lashley, with 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 Rey Mysterio, even to Batista, and he gets over. And you build him being a proper champion. You're not doing the same thing with King Corbin, folks. 
you're making that heel into a laughing stock. And that's your top heel of that uh, of that brand? No. Your top heel right now is Bray Wyatt. Going back to the either of the fucking worlds. He's definitely number one. Bray, Corbin right now has got to be way the lower tier now. I can't respect him anymore. Even Sasha and Bailey are whipping his ass as being better heels than him, which sucks. Nonetheless, that's all I got to say about that. So that was the end of the whole overall show. The overall grade, I would give the whole show a 2.75 stars. Only reason why I gave it that was because the promo that Bray Wyatt had did, the promo that Braun Strowman had did, and plus the main event. That was it. So nonetheless, um, I'm going to wrap up this show because apparently Anchor, when you're doing it by yourself, when you're only doing it as one person, they only give you an hour to record, which actually is kind of sad. So this is why I kind of wish that the group was actually kind of here because we could have gotten to like, at least a little bit more than more, more than an hour of changing. But I'm actually satisfied with this. So overall, this whole entire show, 2.75 stars, for the reason that I said, said only, Let's see what happens tomorrow when it comes to Extreme Rules, the horror show, which will be available on the WWE Network. So check that out, 7 p.m. tomorrow. Um, and as for me, you will hear from me again till either tomorrow night or Monday. When it comes to, oh yeah, and I, oh, yeah, and I forgot, on Monday we're having a special After Dark episode with, we're going to have a sit-down interview with independent wrestler and Ring of Honor wrestler, um, Gabby Ortiz, who she's going to be on the show. We were supposed to have her on the show last week, but it got rescheduled to this week. So we got that coming up. We got the recap for um, the horror show coming up on Monday. Hopefully that all the guys is back so we can get this thing rocking rock and rolling. Um, So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for supporting us through all this whole entire ordeal to get us to a thousand play, to get us closer to a 100 episode. We thank you, thank you, thank you enough. Please follow us on social media. As I said earlier, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Off the Top Ropes Podcast. Follow us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker Podcasts, um, Radio Public Podcast, Spotify, and Twitter. Type in Off the Top Rope Podcast, you will find us. Bookmark us. Like, share, play, bookmark our episodes, please. The more, the more plays, the more money that we make. Um, since I am by myself today, shout out to the crew. Shout out, shout out, shout out to all the boys. Um, have a good weekend, folks. Um, as one beloved TV talk show host was told me, was told you, was told millions of people around the world where the black boxes were popular, and now he is a judge. Which is Lansky himself. Take care of yourself and each other. We'll see you on Monday. Peace.